Welcome to Six Pack. I'm your host, Erin Inselman. This is an uncut show that supports parents in the enjoyment of raising children and having the fire and spirit to do life, with a side of sarcasm and humor, of course. I'm a mom of six, a wife, and a business owner in the health and fitness industry. Each week, myself and other experts will be sharing pointers and stories on parenting, self-growth, health and fitness, and relationships. Join me for this real and raw show dedicated to sharing tips, tribulations, and the triumphs of everyday life. Welcome back to the Six Pack Podcast. Um, We have an amazing guest today. Our guest today is Stephen Schallenberger, and this man has quite the bio. So Steve is well known as a global leader in a high-performance research and training. He has dedicated 40 years of research to identifying the 12 principles of highly successful people and leaders. And based on that research, Steve founded Becoming Your Best Global Leadership and developed numerous tools and processes to help develop high-performance people and teams. Becoming Your Best has launched multiple national best-selling books, and Steve has trained hundreds of groups around the world. As a founding member of the Utah YPO chapter, Steve understands how to deeply connect with YPO members and help them successfully build their businesses. Through the years, Steve has accumulated four decades of business expertise as a successful business owner, as a trusted senior executive, professional corporate trainer, and respected community leader. After graduating from BYU, Steve launched the Eagle System, which is an international global leadership and management consulting firm. He has successfully led companies in four different industries and has a keen understanding of how to thrive in business. During those formative years, he continued his education at the Harvard Business School. Steve also worked many years with Stephen R. Covey. As a key leader, among others, he helped build the world-renowned Covey Leadership Center. Steve served as the president of the Brigham Young University Alumni Association. He was a former president and is the upcoming president for Americans Freedom Foundation and he currently sits on the board of trustees. And in addition to all those accomplishments, he has been married to his beautiful wife, Roxanne, for over 45 years, and they have six children together. Please welcome my guest, Stephen Schallenberger, to this week's episode. First of all, I just want to tell you like how honored and how humbled I am to be able to speak with you. I was so grateful for Jenny Media to introduce the two of us together And I have not been able to stop listening and put your book down. I absolutely love it. Stephen, you are just, I mean, you're a national best-selling author of Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leadership. And I think I had sent you an email that I said, I wish I would have read this 15 years ago when we first started our business. But it is definitely, there is a purpose and a reason why I'm reading it right now. So I just want to know, I mean, I have not been to your website yet, but where, where's the workbook? I need a workbook for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Well, well, we'll talk about that today. There's some real hands-on things that you can do that are helpful. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So, yeah, I would just like to, you know, I guess first start by, like, just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. I mean, something outside of your bio, of course. But, I mean, you have over 40 years of work that you have put into this, you know, to really that you put into your, your life. And, you know, after graduating from BYU, did you ever envision, 
you know, your life to look as it does right now? Well, not exactly. You know, you hope to have the try to get going in the right direction. Yes. And, and if you can do that, that is really helpful. Early on, like from 16 on, I decided I really liked business and wanted <laughs> to be in business. And in the next two or three years, that was really cemented in. And so that's been a blessing, but you don't know exactly what form that's going to take, right? Right. And so it's been great. I've been really blessed in that regard, and I've loved business. It's not a piece of cake, as you know, and all of your listeners know, being in business is not for the faint-hearted. No, it is not. (laughs) It's like life. There's some really fun times and challenging times, but overall, I've tried to pick businesses that help me and help my family and can help other people. Mm-hmm. And so along the way, it's been, that's what's created a lot of the wonderful memories. Now, as far as telling a little bit about myself, of course, I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. It was great. I loved it. That was a tough town. I lived in Vallejo, California, uh-huh. and, and uh, it was a very racially diverse community. And when I was in raised like in 16, 17, 18, that was the late 60s. So, and, you know, you had John F. Kennedy had been assassinated and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and you had the Vietnam War raging and, and uh, black cat power. And so there's a lot of racial strife and, and the love movement. So, you know, everything that was the, our hippies, and we had Hate Ashbury, and for anyone that's too young to remember what that is, that's where that was the Flower Power Center. And so it was a very interesting time to be raised. I loved it. It was great. It gave me a great appreciation for other people. And it was also extremely divisive. I really remember during that time wondering if our I was a young, young guy, of course, but being fearful our country could survive. Mm-hmm. And it seemed so torn. And somehow our country got back on center and came back together in a lot of good years. And now we're back at it. I, I right. think this particular time is this divisive also. And hopefully we can get back going in the right direction. And, and talk. Yeah. that's a little background. It's been great. And, and the other that Aaron, that's been helpful. And I want to just pause and compliment you. Oh, my goodness. Aaron is doing such a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> really, I've been looking forward to being together with you. But, I mean, having six kids and being involved with your husband and in your business and being involved in your community and supporting all that's going on. You're a hero. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. And we were chatting a little bit before I, you know, we started recording, but Steve also is a father of six kids and he has been married for 45 years, which is just an amazing, amazing accomplishment and success that he and his wife, you know, have been married that long and that they've done it so gracefully and, you know, raise six children together. So that is definitely something that we have in common. And, and one thing we learned about each other was that, you know, I have five girls and he has five boys. <laughs> so that one daughter of his and that one son of mine, you know, you don't see that very often. So I was kind of tickled when I found that out. But um, yeah, you know, especially as a parent, I'm just so curious to dive a little bit deeper into, you know, all of these principles 
you know, the 12 principles that you have developed and that you've worked toward, even not only just how that is in business, how that is in, you know, ourselves and our own personal growth, but applying that, you know, even to parenting and raising our children, because, you know, probably just like myself, you know, like you, you, you know, you try to do the very best you can in order to raise the best humans possible, you know, to give them a good foundation, to be kind-hearted, loving people, but also to have these leadership skills so that they can go out and, you know, be successful contributors in society. Yeah, yeah, that's right on. And and Aaron, you're spot on that these principles are not reserved for business leaders or CEOs. Uh, yeah. The fact is, is what happened is that early on in my first company was a marketing company. And then within a The next year, I bought a publishing and a printing firm. Within a few years, we had 700 employees, and they would come to me and say, how can I be among the top at what we do? And, and, you know, I made some recommendations, but I knew there was a lot I did not know as well. Mm -hmm. And so I started a research that I thought would take a few years, but it took over 40 years before I really put the cap on it and said, that's it. And I interviewed during that time over 150 CEOs around the world and then also studied the lives of historical, hundreds of historical figures that have changed our world for good, Mm -hmm. that have been a positive blessing. And here's what we discovered. We discovered that none of these people were perfect, yet we saw over and over 12 things that they did that created this excellence And this is what we put in the book that you just held up there, uh, Becoming Your Best, the 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. And what we found is is that every single one of your listeners are definitely leaders. If they're on here, it means they care. Exactly. It means they're trying to improve. That's the spirit of becoming your best. And so leadership, these principles of leadership are applied in every single area of our life personally to live an exceptional life. These are the very same principles that cause that to happen. I've noticed what you're doing and I kind of went through the 12 and I think you're doing most of them right now, if not all of them. I would love some feedback, Steve. (laughs) But certainly in our, as a partner, in a relationship, you look at those 12, it's those things that create the excellence, you know, help us have a best or a better or best type relationship. Certainly as we manage teams, whether that's a family or an organization. So these are the things that create excellence. And, and it'll be fun talking about a few of these because I know this is your interview for me today. But I was thinking I had a few questions for you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hot seat. Shoot. <laughs> I think I know the answers. But it's <laughs> illustrate the point. So, I mean, yeah. we'll touch, maybe touch on a few of the principles as they apply to you. Yeah, as let's they, go. Okay. As they apply <laughs> to fathers, mothers, partners, families. You're trying to have a strong family. And uh, so, for example, one of the principles we saw over and over is lead with a vision. That's one of the things highly successful leaders did. Well, okay, so how does that look in your own personal life? Let's say we're going to apply it to our personal life. Mm -hmm. It is having a personal vision for yourself. Now, let me illustrate this to your listeners. Aaron, tell us some things that make you tick. In other words, when you wake up in the morning, 
What are some of the things that inspire you or that make you go? My first and foremost is my kids. They are my inspiration. Being the best possible mother that I can be for them. And I feel like that's my overarching because that trickles down into so many different areas of my life. I want to be the best mother that I can for them. Therefore, I'm going to put as much effort as possible into having a loving relationship with my husband, into my health, into my business so that they have a good role model to follow, but also that I'm being able to provide what I need to provide for them in my faith as well. So I feel like that's my target. That's my overarching goal is those six babies. And I just feel like that that's why I was put on this earth was to be a mama. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that it's given me the strength to, they're my motivation. It's given me the strength to do everything that I've ever accomplished and everything I've done in my life. Okay. That, thank you. That's an inspiration. I appreciate you sharing that. And let's just break down what Aaron just talked about for the listeners as kind of a role model. First of all, these are some things that are helpful as you're developing your personal vision. One thing we found useful is to break down your vision by your roles. Okay, so notice what Erin did. She actually described five or six roles in just that one minute. Her family is a role. She described herself. That's personal, right? Personal is your spiritual, your physical is being in shape. It's emotionally strong, so you can give to others. So that's a role. Another role was her spouse. That's a role. These are distinct roles. Another she mentioned is her faith. That could, you know, be community. It could be service. It's also part of her personal role under spirituality, but it was also Mm -hmm. something you do. And she also mentioned the business, right? So those are like six roles right there. And then you write down your vision for each one. And a good way to do that is to do it in the present tense. So I am a fit, healthy person. I get great sleep. (laughs) Now, people may not do that today, but the fact that it's a vision is what you become someday. Absolutely. Statements. Yes, I am. Versus I hope to be, uh, I'll work to be, uh, I want to be. These have a different power in terms of action and in becoming. But notice as Erin described her family, these are the most important things I am. I, and this is a very private situation, so thanks to Erin for being somewhat vulnerable and sharing these. And each one of you that are listening are going to describe this differently. But I just cannot understate how important these words are because they become transformational in your life to helping you become the very best that you can be. We only have one time around the track of life. Yes. And, you know, you want to make it the best. You want to be happy. You want to be healthy. Yes. These can all be part of your vision. You can actually say, I am a happy, peaceful person, and, and I deal with crisis, with grace, and I look for options. Options, options, <laughs> and, and they're positive options. And right. I am, and here's the personal part is private. I am a light and a model to others. And I love uh, that. Yeah. So, but whatever it is that rings, you know, sings your music. And this is a great quote. You will either lead a life by design 
or you will live a life by default. Mm. And that's a big deal. And it is this personal vision that helps you live a life by design. You're designing it. So, for example, I love the fact that Erin put down that she wants to be close to her husband and have a wonderful relationship. And, and uh, so part of my vision, how I described it that helped me, is I treat my wife like a 10. And now, I, yeah. I have that written down on my vision board to treat my man like a king. And I, I need to do better at it. <laughs> I'm not perfect at it, but I'm not striving for perfection. I'm just striving to be the best that I can be. But there are days that, uh, you know, I definitely need to do a better job of treating him like a king. And then there's other days that, you know, he sits very nicely on his throne too. <laughs> uh, well, see, now this is a perfect example. Look at Aaron's description. I treat my husband like a king. So what husband wouldn't want to have a wife have that in her personal vision <laughs> or vice versa? You know, a, a wife that would want her husband to have one that says, I treat my wife like a queen. Yeah, and that's or a just, 10. Or a 10. Yes. Because, because, you know, for me, when we go to dinner, I would ask her, well, Roxanne, on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? <laughs> you know, like on a scale of one to 10, where do you fall on the happy scale? And if she says a three, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you got a lot of work cut out for you. That's <laughs> work. And, and, but, that's, but see, nobody has to teach me to do that. Right. I don't have to read about it. It's here. Right. And so I, just like Aaron, I fail sometimes, but I see the standard. And so I apologize, but that also drives my behavior in a major way mm -hmm. because I'm thinking about it every day. I, I think about, did I just do that? Does she feel happy? Is she healthy? And here's the real scorcher is on a scale of one to 10. How do you feel about our marriage? <laughs> you know, and if she right. says if she says six or seven or eight or nine, I, I'm feeling we're heading in the right direction. If she yeah. says five or six, that's not very good. And if she right. says three, we're in deep trouble. Right. And, right. But I need, I need to know that. And I take another one of the 12 principles is to be responsible. And so I do take responsibility. And she, and of course, just like you said, uh, is when you do that, people reciprocate. And when I try to treat my wife like a 10, she works a lot harder to help me feel like a king. And so then you do it together, and it's really super cool. Right. So I think this is just an example. We're all leaders, and we can do specific things. And the 12 are the things that will give us the help. You can count on them. They're 100% predictable. And they have a predictable response every time. If you have a vision, it's going to help you in your quest to be better. So that's wow. one bit of advice. We're talking about leadership. How do you apply it in your own life? And, okay, maybe many of you have children. Maybe some don't. Right. But you're certainly going to have influence all over with your family members, so whether it be siblings or nieces and nephews, whatever you're situation is in life but your behavior is intergenerational there's no question about it the things we do our kindness our thoughtfulness our patience all just go to the people we meet 
to our children for sure. They see it firsthand. Right. <laughs> it's they the ultimate it. challenge. We can be good at the bag, the ugly, right? <laughs> our kids do. Exactly. <laughs> One of our sons has lived with us for a year and downstairs with his wife, and they have two little boys, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So I am totally immersed getting back into it. I bet you are. That makes it fun, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does make it fun. And yeah. Like you said, the good, bad, and ugly, when they throw a tantrum or have a meltdown, that's the challenge of how you're going to really respond. You know, do you lose your cool or do you hang in there and help them divert their attention or, or you know, get to a better place? Right. <laughs> but they learn from us. That's the bottom line. You're exactly right. We're their role models. And the way that we respond to situations like that, it's only going to strengthen that muscle for them. Right. Now, I might say for your listeners, and I'd encourage every one of you to be determined you will do your personal vision in the next week or so. It's, you know, just get a rough draft and then start cleaning it up. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it, okay. should, it should be meaningful. It should give you direction and it should inspire you. I love the words that Aaron, if you noticed her description, those are very cool. And this is what you want to do. Now, the second thing is, well, how do you make it a reality? The vision is your direction. Mm -hmm. uh, another principle of the 12 is manage with a plan. Right. And so how does that show up? Well, it shows up for us personally by setting annual goals. And it's not just goals. It's by each role. The very same model. And this is a piece of cake to do. I don't want to oversimplify it or overcomplicate it. Just get a piece of paper, write down your roles, and mm -hmm. think about your vision. You just described it. And under my personal role, what can I do this year to help me realize the vision? So, okay. you know, if it's to stay fit and healthy, well, for me, this is different for everyone, uh, exercise on average five times a week. Mm -hmm. And then that will help me stay fit and healthy. So that's just one example for my wife, it, it would be, now we have a different circumstance. She's been ill for some years. And so it takes a different form now. Mm -hmm. uh, but when she was healthy, we would go out on a weekly date. And so I just didn't want to go on a date. I wanted to make it a fun date, mm -hmm. right? And, and so during that date, that would be one of the goals. Go on average three dates per month alone. Okay. Make them fun. Well, that starts having an impact. That's 36 dates. Yeah. At least. <laughs> and then another might be take a little mini retreat with your partner. Now, if you're doing those kind of things, then you can sit down and across dinner, you can say on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And there's no rush and you can really hear and listen. And, and then you can go do things that are fun and, as well. But having smart annual goals, now just think about it. Once you have your vision, you only do it one time in life. You know, you may refine it, you may edit it, you may think of new words, you may have life experiences where you add a sentence that okay. new insights, but you have it. Your annual goals, that's the tip off, is you do once a year. Mm hmm. And one of the most important things you can do with your annual goals is to share them. Yes. Make yourself accountable. 
<laughs> make yourself accountable and have some fun doing this. And so early on in my career, I picked my mentors to send them to. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that for 30 and 40 years. I do my annual goals, share them with them. At the end of the year, report how they did, how I did on the goals, and give them my goals for the next year. So with your mentors that you shared your goals with, now did you kind of categorize it? Did you just share with your mentors like your business you know, goals, or did you also share your personal goals with them? Yeah, that's a great question. I shared the whole sheet. Okay. So personal mm-hmm. with my spouse, so that's getting down to the nitty-gritty. It, it is. That's trust. It is. And so now just look at the word Aaron used. That's trust because what happens is not only do you have accountability, but what you discover is the people you send the goals to, you create a very close bond with. Absolutely. Because these are among the most private things that you could share. I mean, you don't share them with everybody. Well, they take an interest in your life and it happened that my, my mentors really blessed me in a big way. So, you know, I told them, you don't have to do anything with it. You just put it in a folder or whatever. I said, I'm just going to report. <laughs> but, but many times they would write back and say, well, uh, so for example, one of them said, when I said I'd treat Roxanne, you know, like a 10, he wrote back and said, be sure she's the one that's the judge. <laughs> Isn't that true, though? It is. That's true. And so is, at that point, is that when you kind of came up with, you know, asking Roxanne, you know, where are we on this date or how are you feeling on the scale of one to 10? Because, you know, I mean, I guess that's another question I have, you know, in a sense is as we're going through this, is there constant just self-evaluation that you're doing or do you have kind of a process set in place where, you know, you set time aside to reassess how you're moving and moving forward you know, in the reality of those goals? Yeah, both. Absolutely. It is constant because they're your, it's your vision, it's your goals, and you're always thinking about them. But Mm -hmm. it is so healthy to step back and say, well, how am I doing? And you can invite others to do it. That's part of sharing. But you're so perceptive. Way to go, (laughs) because it is one of the mentors that taught me on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. That's where that came from. I hadn't thought of it before, and and, uh, so that was very cool. Okay, so that's the process, and you just year in and year out, go go through it, go for it. Okay, all right. Well, I guess when I look at that, you know, because obviously I've, I've gone through, like you said, many of our listeners are leaders, and so, you know, many times we've done a lot of, you know, personal growth, personal development, we've read, we've studied different principles like this. I think if I could ask a question as far as, you know, we have that vision, we have that reality, we're managing our goals, but then once crisis comes in, once something kind of gets us off our path, so to speak, do you have any any tips, any suggestions on ways to kind of get out of that tornado sometimes that we feel like we're in so that we can get get some clarity, get back on track? Well, it definitely happens. Right. COVID is a perfect example, and it's happened on a grand, extraordinary scale. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the biggest economic crisis in modern history, no question about it. And so this is what, in 45 or 50 years of doing goals, it's the first year in all that time I've had to 
really redo my goals mm-hmm. in many cases because the rules had changed so much. But, but your vision's still the same. The, that's the deal. The vision is still the same. There is one other process we didn't talk about, and I know we have limited time that makes it hard. We're okay. Okay, but that is, is there something that the third, another principle is highly successful leaders prioritize their time. They know how to do it well, and that is Mm -hmm. definitely a difference. But we found that 80% of people by research don't know, they don't have a way to prioritize their time. And so as a result, they're, they're just not very good at it. Right. And so we put a lot of effort in this, and, and we're a flying family. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> when I was younger, I was a pilot. Oh, speaking of advisors, so when I was 35, I had a plane. I was flying. And, and, uh, but we held a board meeting, and one of the board members, I said, so what do you – I'd just like to get your opinion. What do you think about me flying? And maybe it was the wrong question to ask because one of the board members raised his hand and he said, I move that Steve sell his plane and doesn't fly anymore. (laughs) And uh, I thought, okay, that's pretty big. And I said, okay, let's discuss it. (laughs) Tell tell me more, please. (laughs) Yeah. And so they voted unanimously for that. I said, if that's your perspective... I have so much respect for you and your judgment. That's exactly what I'll do. Really? Yeah. So I sold my plane and I don't really fly anymore. And I I did a couple of times when a year later, it was really hard to leave. So I rented a plane in Florida, got an instructor and said, I want to fly this across the state. Uh (laughs) But after that, I said, maybe I'm pushing it. Maybe they had a reason. Did they give you? A, did they ever give you a reason? Yeah, I think it was. I had six kids, mm-hmm. and it, planes can be risky. Smaller planes can be risky, and things happen. We probably right. all know people that have lost, you know, both partners or members of your family in flying. So, you know, I said that's okay. Yeah, and family is more important, and there are risks, and it's okay. It's just not. I don't have to have it. But we right. had two sons that fly F-16s and, and, you know, uncles that flew in World War II. And, like, it's, a, it's in our DNA. And, and yeah. uh, so there's an interesting thing that pilots do before they fly, and it is a pre-flight checklist. So any of our aviators out there, mm-hmm. it's actually a very specified checklist. You go to the right wing. You check certain things. Go to the back of the plane. You check the rudder and the stabilizer, the emergency transmitter antenna and you go to the left wing in the front of the plane you check the oil there's even a line that says be sure the oil cap is screwed on tight (laughs) (laughs) don't skip a step (laughs) don't skip a step and so it's interesting because how many of us would want to get in a plane where a pilot did not do the pre-flight checklist whether it's a, a commercial airline or think what would happen in the fighter pilot world if they just jumped in the cockpit and went, I mean, it'd be a disaster. And yet so many people go from week to week without doing some pre-week planning. Yes. And and expect a different result. And so we have created a process called pre-week planning. It's we've actually patented that. And you do a very specific thing. It's so simple. 
but you just, we have a becoming your best planner. Yes. And, and I might add, if any of your listeners would like a 2020 dated planner, we still have, you know, three months to go, but there is a, right. a week that's actually, we've designed to help you do this. You start with your roles and then you put in what actions matter most for each role this week. And then you simply schedule when you'll do it. But this process, Aaron, is transformational. It is. And I love the fact that, you know, you even mentioned in your book that when you are doing your pre-planning, you know, always to ask yourself and go back to that why. Why is it that this is my vision? Why is it that this is my goals? Because that continues to be kind of your driving force is to remind yourself of why you're doing that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so what happens is this uh, changes the game. Now, when you start each week, you, you've really thought about it. You've paused. It doesn't take long, 20, 30 minutes, not, not a lot of time. But when Monday morning comes, you're ready. And when you have couples doing it, Sunday night, they can match and check with each other's schedules and collaborate. And then you become a team and it becomes cultural, has a big impact but it, imp- it impacts your stress levels. They're much lower. The sense of peace, your focus, your energy. So maybe before we're done, I can give your listeners the information of how to get one of those. Yeah, I, w- I would love that. You know, we've talked a little bit about in previous episodes about just the importance of pre-week planning and how when, when life does throw you that curveball, you know, that it does, like you said, it helps that stress level. A little bit because you do already feel like you it's like a sense of control um you know when you do that pre-week planning so that you have your tech you know I kind of call it like a list on steroids in a sense because it's helping you still stay focused on you know what that vision is what your goals are but at the same time one thing that I do on my pre-week planning is I actually put a time value to it Because sometimes I have a tendency to let the feeling of lack of time overwhelm me. And I start to, you know, play and play, you know, that task or those things over and over in my head. When really in actuality, if I just take a minute and sit down and think about it, most tasks take me, you know, no more than 20, 30 minutes, an hour. But yet I, I feel as if it's consuming my entire day. And it's not. So... You know, I have looked at your pre-week planning and and I absolutely love the principles. In fact, I'm kind of tweaking the way that I do mine as well so that I can um, add a lot of your components components in. So I would love it. Yeah. As we kind of wrap up that we can direct our listeners, you know, in the right direction on on helping them, you know, see what what your methods are with the pre-week planning, because you're right. It's a game changer. Yeah. And we call these three principles we've just talked about today the do what matters most, high performance habits. I love it. And they actually increase personal productivity 30 to 50%. Wow. That's what our research shows because people know where they're going. They're not getting pushed around by every crisis that hits them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They kind of have their annual goals. Even if there's a big hit like COVID, they can make some adjustments. But where the rubber meets the road is on the pre-week planning and you take, I mentioned about my wife, for example, she is magnificent. We've now been married 46 years, so they keep mounting up. And, and uh, <laughs> I, think I, said, I think I said 45, didn't I? Yeah, but <laughs> my, that's, 
That's pretty close. <laughs> My apologies. No, no, we've added another year already. <laughs> but she became ill about six or seven years ago, was diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's, and it's just been a huge hit. It's a terrible disease. And, and, um, uh, and at the end of this last year, December, at the end of December, we, it was just too much. Yeah, I just couldn't provide all of the support that was needed. And, you know, she was and she's brilliant. She's wonderful, happy and sweet and and so capable, an amazing mom, an amazing partner and counselor. And and yet it just got slowly taken away. And she would put on four pair of pants sometimes, if you can imagine that. So, you know, you just know things aren't working the way they should. And. And so we placed her in a memory care center about four minutes away. And so she's close and that's great. But finally got to the point where she couldn't feed herself and she can really no longer communicate. And she can say a few words, but not much. But the thing that's really helped throughout all that, and and some of you, maybe you have, but others would have experience with this, with Alzheimer's or dementia in your own families in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's emotional, it's tough, it tears you apart to see your loved one go through that, yeah. and you feel some responsibility too. And, but so how do you make it through these crises? And I think that's kind of what your question was a few minutes ago, but this helps me do it because now every single week, I, I know where I'm going, I know what I want to do to help Roxanne. Mm-hmm. And so every week when I do pre-week planning, I think of my roles. I still need to take care of myself. If I am out of the game, I can't help her. But if I have a lot of energy and I feel at peace, I can offer greater help and perspective. But I know about her. My job now is to bring her dignity and help her to be happy and safe and comfortable. And But I still work. Yeah. Uh, and, and so... I need to do well in that. And, and so this helps me have balance. It helps me try to be the best that I can in the various areas and fulfill my responsibility. So I think that helps, Aaron, to answer your question. Yeah, so how I do you find this balance, you know, and how do you do, be, do the very best that you can given things you never thought would happen? And I think that, like you had said, I mean, identifying those different roles in your life, I think definitely helps you. Well, it helps you create the balance, but then it, it when you do have certain compartments, certain components in, in your life that are, you know, that are a struggle or that are a crisis, like you had just mentioned, you know, even though, you know, you look at the things that you need to do for Roxanne, you then also still have to look at the other roles that you have in your life too, you know, as far as, as your businesses, as being a father, as being a grandfather, your own health, considering that. And I think sometimes I I love the fact that you have it categorized and broken down by roles, because I think that that helps us not feel consumed sometimes when just one area of our life, um, you know, feels a little, a little bit more than the other areas. Right. Yep. And then you mentioned faith earlier. Faith is a huge part for all of it. Yeah. Because, you know, the day will come, it'll all work out. Yes. And I'll be with my wonderful sweetie again. And yes. She'll come run up and give me a hug and it'll be okay. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing so many. Oh gosh, I wish we could just dive into so much of it. But to our listeners, this is definitely a must read. I would highly recommend that you go out and purchase this book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. Because not only if you're a business owner or you know you work in a business and you have that leadership role, it's definitely going to be something that helps you in that direction. But what I love is that it hits every single target of your, of your life as well. It's going to help you personally and professionally. So thank you for all of your research, all of the work that you have done to be able to give us this, you know, this, this great book and and this great tool that we can all use so that we can definitely, you know, strive to become the best version of ourselves. But I know that there's other things that you're doing too, And so, and like you said, you had mentioned even the fact that, you know, your planner is available. And so at this time, you know, would you mind maybe sharing with us where some of our listeners can find some of those resources? Right. If you just write to us at support at becomingyourbest.com and just tell us, I heard Steve was there visiting with Aaron and it, which was so fun, by the way, you are so amazing. I love it. Thank you. Spirit and so capable. So just ask for the complimentary 2020 dated planner. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. All you need to do is pay for just the postage and there's a small amount of handling, but these, it's a modest cost. And also we can provide to you something called the personal productivity assessment. Ooh. And you can I go love, right. I love assessments. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cool deal because it helps you assess how you're doing in each of the 12 right now. Yes. Take it again in three months. And, and after you've worked on them and say, yeah, I'm improving, I'm doing better. And, and so that's on our website, which is becomingyourbest.com. Those are a few resources. They're great. And well, it's been a delight, Aaron. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm so grateful. You know, you enjoy the rest of your day and I hope that we can, you know, still stay in contact and keep in touch. I really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah. Same here. I hope we have the chance to meet someday. I'd love to meet your husband and those girls and guys. (laughs) Well, thank you. That would, that would absolutely be amazing. And many blessings to you and and Roxanne too. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. God bless you. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Six Pack. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, click subscribe. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Have a beautiful week. And tell the important people in your life just how much you care about them. Much love and blessings to you all.